And I think this is a challenge for every small business owner. You have to take that step back to actually work on your business instead of being in your business. And when you take that step back, you can actually like create a step change or a step function for your business in terms of growth and automation. And I think that's like the other vector there. It's just like they need to be disciplined around taking that time to make changes like this. So the big question is this, how do small business owners like us grow our business, grow our leadership and develop our teams in a way that allows us to get our products and services out of the world, yet still remain profitable? That is the question. And this podcast will give you the answers. I'm Bradley Hamner, and this is the Club Capital Leadership Podcast. Hey, before we get into today's episode, did you know that Club Capital is the largest accounting and advisory firm for insurance agency owners in the country, providing monthly accounting, CFO services, and tax preparation? Check them out at club.capital. Welcome to another episode of the Club Capital Leadership Podcast. My name is Bradley Hamner, your host. On today's episode, we have Yusuf West. Yusuf is the co-founder and CEO of Relay Financial which is a business banking platform that gives small businesses better visibility into their financials and really simplifies the collaboration between small business owners and their advisors, such as accountants and bookkeepers like Club Capital. Before Relay, Yusuf led marketing at HubDoc, which joined the company when it was at zero revenue, and he led it until its growth, led its growth until HubDoc's eventual acquisition by zero. And then prior to that, Yusuf also co-founded Vuru, which was a financial analysis product that was acquired by Wave Accounting. He then later joined Wave Accounting, which is called H&R Block now, to lead the company's product engagement and monetization efforts. He has a wealth of experience, as you can obviously tell by his background and bio. We get into a number of different topics about just kind of where banking has been and the problems that Relay solves in the banking experience. I share a little bit about my own personal experience and working with Relay and how much I love just the delightful experience that I have with them. And then we also talk about kind of where banking is going. And then we get into some broader discussions about culture design and a fast growth and scaling organization. Without further ado, let's get into my conversation with Yusuf West. Wouldn't it be a great start to 2021 by having more leads in your book of business? Well, that's where our partners at Direct Clicks Inc. come in. Their team's dialed-in approach to running Google ads and online SEO campaigns maximize the quality and the volume of your leads, whether that's for inbound phone calls or even exclusive leads through your website. Direct Clicks Inc. works only with PNC insurance agency owners, so they have thousands of hours creating A-B split testing and improving online campaigns specifically for insurance. They also understand why each and every marketing dollar matters in providing true results, low paper clicks, transparency, and attention to detail, all of which is discussed in depth during your monthly review calls. Reach out to the Direct Clicks team at directclicksinc.com. That's directclicksinc.com and find out how they can make a difference in your approach to generating new business. Are you an agency owner looking to grow your revenue and increase your bottom line? Club Capital is here to help. Built for agents by agents, so we know your struggles. With accounting, payroll, and HR solutions, tax services, analytics, and more, 
Let's get you on the path to serious success. Using data-driven insights, you'll grow your business based on revenue and expense comparisons alongside your top performing peers. With over $100 million in tracked annual revenue and $70 million in tracked annual expenses, we have the data to help you make better informed decisions for your agency. Let's make your back office less of a hassle and more of the strategic generator that powers the growth to take your agency and your leadership to the next level. Visit club.capital today to book your complimentary, no obligation demo. Club Capital, way more than a CPA firm. Yusuf West, welcome to the Club Capital Leadership Podcast. Awesome. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. We're excited to have you. So we always start with background and origin story, as I shared with you last time. And I think the story for you and also your company is pretty fascinating whenever we talked a couple of weeks ago. So why don't you just share how you got to where you are today? So I've been like in SMB FinTech for most of my career, like accounting tech. I started a company out of school. It was kind of like a stock analysis platform. You plugged in a stock ticker, we spit out stock reports, and that ended up being acquired by a company called Wave here in Toronto. And way, if you're familiar with Wave, but like kind of accounting kind of broadened out into like financial services. And I joined there and we basically spent a year building out the first growth team inside of that company. And then that company was acquired by HR Block late last year, I think. I mean, obviously, so such a strange sense of time these days as we all do. And then after that, joined a company called HubDoc as the third employee and helped scale that business from zero to its acquisition by zero, X-E-R-O, in August 2018. So kind of been doing accounting tech or fintech for most of my career. And the challenges that I saw like so consistently were really around like access to financial information for small business owners. You hear it consistently. It's like the top three reasons that business owners switch banks. It's like one, fees, two, customer service, three, how well does my bank actually work with my back office? So like accounting integrations. And many of the challenges that we saw not only at Wave, but also at HubDoc were related to just like getting information for small business owners. That was effectively the crux of what we built at HubDoc as like a central depository for all your small business financial documents, think bank statements, receipts, invoices. And we worked with accounting and bookkeeping firms and small business owners. And we would get paid by these accounting and bookkeeping firms anywhere from a few hundred bucks a month to five, ten thousand $10,000 a month just to download bank statement PDFs, like literally log into their client's bank accounts, get download, bring a PDF into our software. And it was insane. And like our strategic partners Intuit and Zero, their number one feature request was not like better cash flow reporting. It was bank feeds that work. So like how the banking data actually gets into the accounting system. And I'm sure we've yeah. all experienced it. You've got like... Yeah. You know, 2FA codes, personal verification questions, all this stuff. It just breaks, get duplicate transactions. It's messy. And as we thought about that problem, we realized the only way to actually like go and solve it is to attack it at like a foundational level. Because if you kind of try to be the middleman between the bank and the accounting system, you kind of have to rely on the bank to like really have the resources to dedicate to this problem, which while there are good people at the banks, this isn't a high priority for them. And so we realized the only way to do it is to actually be the banking solution. And we also kind of stepped back and looked at like the small business back office. And as you've experienced, you know, you're someone who's like very tech savvy and cloud forward. Every part of the small business back office has changed. The accounting solution, the payroll solution, however you're running each part of your stack, you can do everything from your phone these days, which is like amazing, except for like one part, which is the bank account. And our kind of core thesis was, what if you built a bank that was deeply integrated into the small business back office? Could you increase financial visibility for these small business owners? Could you help them become more successful? Could you help them like increase their success? And so what we're building is like Relay is next generation banking for small business. We make it really easy to collaborate 
internally and externally. So like, for example, you work with some advisors, like accounts and bookkeepers, you can provision access easily. You can also provision access to team members inside of your specific business. You can automate all your bills. You can centralize them. You have financial controls all baked in. Think like kind of like bill.com baked into your bank account. And then third, you can actually manage all your expenses using relay cards. So you get like a complete package in terms of your banking solution to actually help you kind of manage your spend and have it deeply integrate actually into your accounting system to make it very seamless for you to get financial visibility. We're going to go into a lot of the things that you share, some of those specific and tactical things and about how you have really reinvented and took a lot of the problems that you've seen with other businesses and how you reinvented the small business banking experience. But first, I got to go back to some of your background. I mean, you have been a part of some incredible companies that have gone on to scale at really rapid paces and have been acquired by other companies. I'm curious about just some of your experience first on some of that. Mm. I mean, what has it been like? What are some of the things that you have seen outside of just the problem that you're solving with Relay? that you have seen with small businesses at really a macro scale? What are some of the bigger, broader things that you've seen that those companies have been able to help small businesses with? Like we kind of talked about this a couple of weeks ago, every small business and every piece of like small business kind of software is effectively competing with Excel in a certain sense. And so with both of those businesses, so Wave and HubDoc, there was really this shift in mentality that was required. It was this idea that, hey, we're going to go into the cloud. We're going to actually like automate and make changes to the way you're running your business. And it's going to be more efficient. It's going to be cheaper for you overall. And you're going to end up being more successful. And so I think the macro trends that we saw like in both of those businesses was effectively that like people were willing to kind of like self-serve. Like small business owners historically have been considered a hard audience to reach, which is no longer true, right? People are seeing these changes in their personal lives where they're able to access technology and have things just be materially better as a result of technology. And they think they see their perhaps legacy systems on the small business side and think, okay, how could I actually make this better? And they're actually going and searching for these solutions or asking their accountant or bookkeeper, hey, I have this problem. I'm guessing there's a solution. Mm -hmm. Can you please help me? And so I think when we look at both of those businesses, they were both benefactors of that change and that shift in mentality. You and I both obviously know Micah, and he's a very forward-thinking, certainly tech-savvy club capital the company is. Mm -hmm. But you and I both know there is such, quite frankly, the vast majority of small business owners almost have a prevailing thought of just almost apathy and acceptance of how difficult some things can be, not just banking, right? I mean, the vast majority just say, well, that's how it is in business is we just kind of accept it. We don't actually challenge the status quo, whether it's in our banking experience or anything else. So why do you think that is? I think what most business owners want to do is they want, have you ever seen that like easy button, the Staples yeah. uh, commercial where they're like easy button, like press it. I think that's what every business owner wants. I want that right on my like back office. I never want to think about this stuff. I just want to focus on like building my business, like finding customers, growing that, building my team and figure out how to make that as successful as possible. And then I want my finances just be handled. All my bills paid automatically. My financial reports just delivered to me. I don't have to get Nancy, my lovely bookkeeper, emailing me saying, hey, what is this transaction? I don't want any of that stuff. And so I think there's a bit of like stasis for most business owners where it's like, do they believe that it's possible that they can change their current way of doing things? And also like, can they find the breathing room 
And I think this is a challenge for every small business owner. You have to take that step back to actually work on your business instead of being in your business. And when you take that step back, you can actually like create a step change or a step function for your business in terms of growth and automation. And I think that's like the other vector there. It's just like they need to be disciplined around taking that time to make changes like this. If somebody's listening to this and they say, I'm frustrated with my local bank, either through the bank just continues to get acquired, right? They just continue to get acquired and they change names and I have to get new debit cards. I have to do all of that, those sort of things. But I have relationships, right? And I don't really consider myself tech forward. In fact, maybe the highest tech that I have is listening to this podcast, right? I mean, there's people out there like that. Debunk that myth for us first and foremost about, you know, some people say, well, that's a little too forward for me. I don't know if I could actually go that way. Yeah, it's funny. I think this applies across like so many industries where everyone's like, oh, I have to make a change. That means I have to like jump in with both feet first, right? And like just go into the deep end. And it's like, it's not the way that it has to be at all. And we talked about like your journey with Relay as an example of this, where you had your local bank, you had local relationships. Okay, hey, this sounds promising. This sounds like it could actually deliver value for my business. Why don't I try this out? And so I can't remember exactly where you started. Maybe you started with kind of like automating bills. Is that the path? Yeah. And so you're like, yeah. okay, let's see how it works. And over time, you're like, okay, I built trust with it. I saw that it worked the way I expected it to. I saw that they had great customer service. So if there was something where I felt perhaps confused by or wasn't totally clear, I could ping them and they could like actually help me. And they're actually on my side. And instead of like a traditional bank where your customer service might be a little bit lacking, they went out of their way to help resolve anything or any questions I might have. And then over time, you basically like, I know now you're actually switching all of your accounts to Relay yeah. and foregoing that local relationship. And so for those folks who feel that, you know, it's intimidating to try something new or try a new piece of technology. I know I remember the first time I used Snapchat and I was like, I just don't get it, right? <laughs> like, how does this work? And I eventually like worked my way through it and maybe asked a couple of friends. I don't think Snapchat support is necessarily the best, but you can certainly leverage our support team kind of as those friends who can guide you through it. But yeah, there's ways to kind of like dip your toes in and try it out. And there's plenty of benefits. Like here's such an easy example. Many business owners have to take checks to their bank to deposit them, right? Yeah. Because the mobile check deposit options are actually quite limited. It's not that they're not available, but it's actually the limits, right? So it's like $5,000 a month or $10,000 a month. You can deposit through your mobile phone. Whereas with Relay, you're talking about much higher limits for mm -hmm. your business. And so I think that's such an easy place to start. We all know how to use our phone. We all know how to snap a photo of something. And so when you sign up for Relay, you can do mobile check deposit from your phone deposit the cash. We make it just as easy to get the cash in as it is to get the cash out. So if you're like using it just for check deposits, deposit checks, you can send the money back to actually your local bank. And I think once you have that delightful experience, you'll realize like how it's not that scary. And you can figure out, okay, what's the next thing I want to automate that I end up spending a bunch of time on? Maybe I'm going to the bank to make a bunch of payments to my vendors or my contractors. What if I could just do that through Relay? And so when you start to think about it in a more piecemeal fashion, where like, hey, I don't have to eat the whole sandwich. I can just take a bite and see how I feel. It feels a little bit more consumable. I think the word that you just mentioned there is delightful. I think that's a great descriptor of the experience. And for our listening audience, I run multiple companies now off of Relay. And it was honestly through my own experience for the last year, year and a half that I thought, honestly, we've got to have you guys on the podcast and talk about this. because. 
truly, I mean this seriously. And anybody that listens to this, please reach out to me if you'd like to talk to me personally about this, because honestly, so much of the experience makes me think it cannot be this easy. It's almost as like, well, where's the rest of the things coming that I've got to sign or whatever? And you and I talked about this a couple of weeks ago, our affinity and how much we love Mike McCallowitz and Profit First. He came on the podcast. He's coming back on again with his new book coming out. And so a lot of people want to run that methodology. But boy, the idea of setting up however many checking accounts and going to the banker and texting and saying, OK, I need this bank account to be called the vault. I need this account to be called profit first. And the banker is looking at you almost in a judgmental way. I mean, let's be real, right? Like, what are you doing? And it literally took me, I think, a minute and a half to open up an account, a new account, because I was starting a new company. So I was starting multiple accounts and it was just so easy. And then to your point about giving access to that. But really, generally speaking, you can talk about two things. One is if you want to touch on the multiple accounts and profit first uh, methodology yeah. of that. Okay. And then number two, just my comment around, is it really this easy? I mean, honestly, because the experience is unlike anything else that I had seen previously. And I think we've all had that, you know, we talked about with different tech tools. It's like, wow, this is incredible. And that's how the experience has been for myself with Relay. Yeah, I think it's really amazing what Mike and Ron have built with the profit first methodology and they're coming out of Morristown, New Jersey, right? And telling this amazing narrative and story. And it's bigger, perhaps, I don't know, maybe it's not bigger than they realize, but it, it just, it's bigger than I think most people realize. This idea has like really been, I don't want to say infectious, given that we just try to get through a pandemic, but like, you know what I mean? <laughs> it spread pretty aggressively. And so the challenges are exactly what you said, right? It's like, hey, I want to open five accounts. The bank manager looks at you weird, like wonders if you're like trying to do money laundering or like, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> right. And that goes without talking about like the fees that you're paying. You're paying 15 to 20 bucks a month per account. So let's call it 100 bucks a month, 1200 bucks a year. It gets expensive like pretty quickly. And then that doesn't also include like if they're giving you the toll road experience where you're paying per transaction. Like there's all kinds of like issues that kind of run in there. And so with Relay, you can set up up to 20 checking accounts no account fees, no minimum balances. You can do it in seconds, like as you described, right? A minute and a half to knock out those five or six accounts. So straightforward. The transfers are really easy. Soon we're going to have like automated internal transfers. So you're actually going to be able to have like the funds hit your, say hit your income account, right? And you're going to say, hey, I want 17% going to profit, 10% to operating, whatever it is. And that's all going to be automated and really slick. So yeah, we definitely get a ton of like profit first folks that are leveraging our platform. And I know in those communities, when people ask for recommendations around, hey, what's the best banking solution to use for profit first, uh, Relay is by far and above the option for exactly the reasons you outlined. We touched on this part of it just a few minutes ago, but the bank feeds too, because at the end of the day, your club capital client your bank fees are going into zero so that you can get your monthly reports, right? You don't want to be delayed in that, but you work with a local bank that doesn't have very good technology. The feeds are breaking all the time. And so then you're forced to have to load your statements into the portal so that you can ultimately get what it is you really want, which is the financials and the analytics so you can make better decisions in your business, right? I mean, that's the end game. I just want the reports so I can be able to do that. But the issue that I'm having, the actual problem, is the bank feed continues to break. And it's not a zero issue, right? It's on the bank feed side. And so can you talk about this? Because you alluded to it. 
but you guys went to the fundamental root cause. And so what did you actually do? I mean, not in a coding sense, yeah. but I mean, what did you actually do to solve that? Yeah. So just for folks who might not be as familiar with that process, they might have experienced pain, but I just want to talk about like, how does banking data generally get into the accounting system today, whether you're talking about Zero or QuickBooks Online? And so they're generally using like a third-party service, like a Yodly or a Plaid to connect to your bank account. And those services are building or using technology that's called like web scraping, where they're logging in on your behalf and then kind of crawling your banking portal to grab your information, to get your, all your transactions and then bring them into the accounting system. And that is fraught with issues. Like imagine you have this crawler that's going through and a button has changed its location or changed its color or changed its name. And now it's broken. Two, you have all these security kind of issues that are coming up where banks are saying, hey, I want to make sure my clients are secure and their money's safe. So now I'm mandating like 2FA or multi-factor authentication, right? And so you have these two issues that are compounding where it's like you had brittle technology to begin with, which would break regularly. And I can say that because at HubDoc, we built the same technology and we were good at it. In a best case, it worked 70% of the time, compounded with like connections automatically being turned off for security reasons and you having to reprompt them. And what this ends up happening is creating a lot of like messy data inside the accounting system. You get duplicate transactions. It's unreliable. You might be missing transactions. And so the answer to this is what's called like direct bank feeds. So what this means is that we built a direct integration into the accounting system. So there's no third party between Relay and the accounting system to get the banking data in. Relay is just sending the data directly to Zero and QuickBooks Online. And so what we do on our end is one, each transaction has a unique ID. So we're never like sending over duplicates or we always know that every transaction has been sent across. You're not missing transactions. Two, the sync occurs every three hours. So you're getting as close to real-time data as you will get. If you want to like prompt a sync, you can also do that inside of Relay. It's really easy. And then three, uh, you're actually getting enhanced data. So because we're actually controlling the way the data shows up in the accounting system, we're able to put, we're talking specifically about zero here, and we share the same data inside of QuickBooks Online. We can put the payee in the payee field. We can provide, you know, on card transactions, provide category information. We can give you information about who paid a given check or like what the invoice number is. We're sending that info through the bank feed. So you can actually do like kind of cash coding or like without having to have the supporting documentation. It makes it way more efficient to actually like get to kind of that finished product that you mentioned. Yeah. So that's basically what we do. It's a direct integration with higher quality data. Every time while I was in switching mode and I would log into zero. And it would have like my relay bank accounts and it'd have that nice little green check that everything is just synced up. And then the other accounts would have the red, almost like a hazard symbol that would say like, there's a problem with your bank feed. And I was like, no blank, Sherlock. I mean, it's always a problem with the bank feed. <laughs> so it's interesting. Like you said, I think earlier is delightful. All right. So I want to kind of zoom out of banking for just a second. I want to talk to you about growing and scaling a business the way that you have, because you've been part of, I mean, growing and scaling Relay. When did you guys start the company, by the way? Late 2018. 2018. Okay. So we're going on two and a half, almost three years, roughly something like that. But then you've been a part of these other companies. Yeah. For people, insurance agency owner, or just other business that are wanting to really grow and scale at a rapid pace, boy, that comes with inherent challenges. I remember Facebook used to have the tagline for a long time was like, move fast and break things, right? Well, that served them well to a certain point. And then they did certainly break a lot of things. 
What have you learned along the way about really being able to scale and grow a company, but do it the right way? Yeah. So there's a couple of threads that I want to pull on there. So first, I just want to share a little bit about kind of our company history, and then I'll dig into like this specific question. So today we've raised about $20 million raised from like Bain Capital Ventures. So if you're familiar with like Bain, they have kind of like consulting arm. They also have a capital arm and a number of other like kind of world-class investors. And so along that journey, people often ask us like, oh, you know, how do those deals kind of come about? And I think this is a good point, good item kind of related to your question, which is like, for us, it's all about the people, you know, we're building this for 10 plus years where we're looking to work on this, hopefully for the rest of our lives. And when you bring on an investor, you have to assume it's like a marriage. It is yeah. exceptionally hard to get out of it. It might be actually be harder to get out of than, than a marriage, in all honesty. And so for us, externally, as well as internal parties, we think a lot about people. And that's really the foundation of everything. And so as we go through this, like we just raised this large amount of capital, as we go through this like next phase of growth, we're thinking about how do we maintain culture and how do we lay the right foundation? So something I'm working through with each of the people that kind of lead our different like functional areas is setting what we're calling like a principles document for their given function so that we have kind of a, almost like an operating agreement of like, hey, in these types of scenarios, here's what we do and here's how we think about the world and giving people kind of those frameworks where they can kind of like go off and basically make their own decisions and scale themselves and allowing me to scale as well, I think has been like the biggest area. So people is everything, culture as part of that. And then how do you actually figure out systems that enable you to actually like grow your business without you being in it, right? Coming back to that point about like, you need to find ways to work on your business, not in your business. I think that's a great example, or at least one that's been really helpful for us. So one a question that's of personal interest to me, there are several different methodologies for setting goals, targets in a business. OKRs has been around for a really long time. EOS has certainly grown. There's the scaling up methodology, Vern Harnish, et cetera. What do you guys use? Is it some blend of that? I mean, what have you learned and what system do you adopt in growing and setting targets for the company? Yeah, so we definitely use the OKR system. So those who might be less familiar, it's called like objective key results. So you say I have an objective like, hey, I want to increase the number of customers we have by the end of Q3. And like, how do I know that we've done that? I look for, I have to set like a key result. So it might be that we have X number of SMBs, 100 SMBs or 1,000 SMBs or whatever the number is that have now opened a relay account, right? By the end of that period of time. And that's kind of the system. I think the process of goal setting is definitely like challenging. The way we think about the world is effectively on like a quarterly basis, because in a world where you're growing so quickly, you really need to be learning as fast as you can. And the goal is to get to that point where you're building something like exceptionally scalable, exceptionally predictable. And if you're able to do that, you can then go out and your business will be worth, especially in a software context, like X billion dollars, right? And I think that's the formula that everyone's working towards. And if you think about it in the context of your business or like many of the business owners that you know, you know who are insurance agents, it's like, how do I create a formula around my business? And what are the goals that I could set that would help me figure out what that formula is? Maybe it's, here's the number of, I apologize to all the insurance agents out there. If I'm totally wrong on like how you guys do advertising, but like here's the amount of like Facebook advertising I'm going to go and do. And here's the number of customers I'm expecting to get out of it. 
or here are the billboards I'm going to go and put up in these areas in the hopes of getting Y number of customers and thinking through like, okay, if I can get that many, perhaps it's leads, how many customers come out the bottom and how many agents or how many team members do I need to have to be able to scale that? And then thinking about like, what are the processes internally to make that process or that system as efficient as possible? And so I think setting goals are great, but you need to have that overarching vision of like, okay, if I'm trying to scale this business, if I'm trying to get to this point, what are those systems and processes that I need to put in place? And how do my goals and like areas that I'm focused on help me kind of get there? So I have this formula for like building my business. Yeah, I got a few questions yeah. I want to pull on that. Are you yeah. familiar with the book? I think John Doerr wrote it, if I'm not mistaken, Measure What Matters. It's one of the most recent books about OKRs. Have you read that book? I haven't. I was actually going to go buy it this week. Now I might do it after being asked about it on a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I I have it on my bookshelf. I have not read that one. I know that that book is big on OKRs. And so for those of you that want to dive a little bit more into that, that's a good book I've heard. It's got great reviews about it. So what is something around goal setting? Because anybody that's listening to this is a business owner, a founder, What is a commonly held belief around setting goals in a business that you actually disagree with? I think there's so many different ways to cut it. I honestly believe that like goal setting is just generally hard. And I think you need to think about what is the psychology of the people that you're working with? So for me, like each year, I I set like personal goals for myself. Like, what do I want to have happen in my personal life? If I get to somewhere between 50 and 75% of those goals, I'm really happy. In all seriousness, I set aggressive goals for myself and accept the fact that I might fall short or likely am to fall short to some extent. Mm -hmm. But over time, I know that I'm going to get to those goals. And for other people, if they did that, they would find that entirely demoralizing, right? Mm -hmm. And so I see that with friends or like family members or whatever. And it's figuring out what is the right balance for your team and individuals, depending on how their psyche works. It might mean a lot to them that they need to actually like be hitting their goals at every juncture. Right. Mm -hmm. And in that case, like, how do you set up a goal structure that would enable them to perhaps exceed their goals and be motivated? I think it's a really hard problem. I definitely don't have the answer, but I do think the human psychology element is like really important. Yeah, that's a good point. And I actually have to say that even just the small comment you made about admitting that goal setting is difficult is one thing, because I mean, a lot of times we think that it's easy then it actually ends up becoming hard because it's actually easy to go through and put it down on paper. Well, I'm going to do this and this and this, but it's a whole nother thing to actually build a yellow brick road to actually then achieve that. And then to execute on that plan to actually get there. Right. I mean, we could sit here and vision all day long of what relay is going to be in the next three years and say like, Oh, it's going to be all these amazing things. It's going to get acquired by X, Y, Z for $100 billion. But I mean, what is the actual process to be able to get there? So I'm curious about, as we were talking earlier, you, have just come back to Toronto outside of the pandemic. So kind of remove that aspect of it. How many people on your team or maybe what percentage of your team works remotely? And how do you see that? Because then I want to ask a lot of people coming back into the office, so to speak, are adopting effectively a hybrid model, right? So that they have people that they want to come into the office if they live across the country, maybe come in once a quarter to be able to do team building, et cetera. So what does that look like for you guys? And what are you doing to be able to continue to cultivate the culture that you want, invest in your people so that you can grow the company? Yeah, this is obviously a problem that I'm like working on actively. So when we started Relay or like, actually, sorry, like just pre-pandemic, we're about six people. We're now like over 30 people. 
So in about a year and a half, we've grown pretty dramatically and we'll be 50 wow. people by the end of this year, or 100 people by the end of the following year. So it's a big growth trajectory and you kind of have to like think about what are the patterns we're seeing today and try to figure out like whether these are patterns that we're going to see in 2022. Because at the beginning of the pandemic, there was all this noise about like, oh, remote, we're all going to be remote from now on. And like, that is the future. And as people got deeper into the pandemic, everyone kind of realized like, actually, no, like I want to see people. I need to get out of my house, right? Uh, I need to go and do things. And so it's like a multivariant problem, but like each kind of variable is shifting as things change, as people get more comfortable with the idea that the world is open and that you can actually go out and like do things. And so we're doing like internal surveys on our team to see kind of like where the sentiment is. And the feedback we're getting for those folks who are in the Toronto area is that they want to come in two to three days a week, basically, and want to have the flexibility to like work from home otherwise, which I think if you think about the formality of an office, I think that's probably the right balance. It's more a question of like, okay, if you have, like, this is a problem that we're actively working through. If you have a hundred employees, what percentage are just actually fully remote? Because we have, you know, great folks who just totally distributed. And then out of the people that are perhaps local to that office that you're thinking about leasing, what percentage can you expect to be in the office at any time? Because they're saying today, after being at home for a year and a half, that they want to come in two to three days a week. Is that like, how much can we rely on that? How much can we bet on it? Should we just make sure there's maximum space for everyone so that we can have everyone in at the same time? Because that's a scenario that will probably happen. And so I think it's really hard. I think that's probably the answer that we land on, which is like, let's just get more space. And worst case scenario, we're wasting a bit of rent, but we allow for that culture to be maintained and that feeling of community to be maintained. And we're not having to like hustle to like, or do another shuffle around an office move. So I think that's probably where we're landing, but I think it's hard. We don't know what life's going to look like in this next 18 months. You know, a couple of things you mentioned there, and it's just the word comes to me is like malleable, right? I mean, you're basically trying to say, okay, how can we work through this? But you're not just making assumptions based on you and the leadership teams, what you think people want. I think going and actually going to the team, doing a survey, seeing exactly what their feedback is, is important. And it does seem like, I agree, the first three months into the pandemic, four or five months, everybody was like, oh, Forget commercial real estate's over. People are never going to the office. Well, that quickly changed, right? And so, I mean, you see this in the States at sporting events. People want to get back to doing some of those things. But I definitely think things have changed in the sense that people want the flexibility to be able to work at home on a Friday or something like that. I was just in an office yesterday, defense contractor, and for some reason, the power went out downtown and it was going to be out for some period of time. And I was in one of the founders' offices. Staff person came in and said, hey, what do you want us to do? You want to send everybody home so they can work from home? He was like, yeah. And then, you know, in five minutes, everybody was on their way home and was able to work at their house. And I think that that type of flexibility, if you went back three years ago, that was not going to happen. I mean, the day was shut down completely. Now that's not the case at all. So I think that you're right. So it's interesting asking you that question whenever you've got such a growing company so quickly of how are you navigating through all of that? Cause you don't want 10,000 square feet of empty space. That's just available for people to come every now and then. Right. Yeah. That would be more depressing, right? <laughs> you have 13 people <laughs> in 10,000 square feet. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. So what's on the horizon for both banking and with relay, like where do you see things going? Cause we've talked a lot about kind of where things are today 
the experience mm-hmm. and also where things have come and the problems that you've solved. I'm really yep. curious now for you to kind of look forward for me and for our listeners and share with us, where do you see the banking industry and relay going over the next few years? Absolutely. So a big part of why we built this business is because we just believe that banking will be digital by default in 10 years. So we're seeing this like massive tidal wave of change across both consumer and business banking. And our bet was, hey, this is a good time to actually like go and build this business because if we don't, someone else is going to. So I think that's like the first thing. And then I think on the business banking side of things, like the way we think about kind of product and functionality is we think about like banking. So you know, modern user experience, you can sign up online in 10 minutes, you can create accounts in seconds as you've experienced. And you have like a user permission model like baked into that. So it's actually collaborative. Kind of think about it as like collaborative banking. So that's like phase one. Phase two is like spend management. So inside of that, we think about automating bills, managing card expenses, all of that stuff, and having that being baked into the bank account, which is, say, today we're at stages one and a half, right? Like we have the cards, we have the expense management, but it's not like a full featured solution. Like if you need proper expense management where you have expense reports, all this stuff, you're just not going to get that with Relay. So today it's like collaborative banking, spend management. And then I think over time, you start to layer in accounting where you're able to actually get like visibility of like what's coming in, what's going out, what is your kind of position today? Because I think the thing that a lot of people kind of discount is how often small business owners actually rely on their bank balance to make financial decisions. So true. Right? Even if you can read a P&L, like, is it up to date to this week? Probably not. Yeah. Is it up to date to this month? Like the average cloud accounting file, whether you're talking about zero or quick online is out of date four months, four months. That's a, that's a lot of information as a small business owner. Like weeks can matter in that context. And so in that world, like it makes sense that the bank is actually the source of truth for these business owners. Is it faulty in certain ways, right? Like I could have a hundred grand in my bank account, but I have a $60,000 check that I've written out and someone just hasn't cashed yet, right? Oh, that is so true. I mean, we talked a couple of weeks ago and I said, I'm so glad you brought that up because I wanted to mention that on the podcast. One of my favorite features about the entire experience, money, everything else that we talked about. Like you said, if you have $50,000 in your checking account and you write a $5,000 check, right? If you write it directly from the experience, either on your app, on your phone, it immediately deducts that amount from your cash balance in the account versus you send the check, the person holds it for three or four weeks, and then you forget, wait a minute, don't I have a check outstanding that's like some amount of money? And you don't know what the actual cash balance is. But yet, whenever I did that the first time and I saw it actually deduct off the balance, I thought, why does everybody not do this? I mean, it just makes so much sense. That's what I was saying earlier. I mean, it's those type of features that are really unique. But then whenever you experience them, it's kind of like, duh, why wouldn't it do that? That's exactly it, right? Like, I think that's the challenge for most small business owners. Like, we've seen this shift over this last, like, I keep saying seven or eight years, but I guess it's like 10 years now. I'm just not willing to emotionally admit that to myself. (laughs) But, you know, over this last 10 10 years, where... You have all of these systems that have changed and moved into the cloud. You know, they're, they're faster, they're more efficient, they save you time. But the challenge is for you as a business owner is you have all these different systems, right? The average small business owner with one to 10 employees uses 25 apps, 25 to run their business. If wow. you go to like 50 or more employees, 50 to 100 employees, you're talking about 75. It is a huge number of applications that people are using. And okay, a percentage of those are for the small business back office, let's say five to 10 are for the small business back office. But could you imagine trying to check, oh, I've got to go check bill.com to see what bills are actually like outstanding. I've got to go to my zero account oh, for my PL, totally. my bank account. Yeah. And it's just like, it's too hard to actually like make sense of it all. 
So for business owners, what they really want is they want one place to say, hey, here's what's happening. Here's your balance, right? Giving you an accurate balance as you describe, but also, hey, here are the bills that are outstanding. So you can do that today with Relay where you can say, hey, I know what my cash position is. I've got that 40 grand left out of that 100 grand. And I can go into my Relay payments tab and see, hey, here are the bills that are upcoming and I can see their due dates and I can think about what cash. And it's just so easy. And I think yeah. that's like the future where you can get that consolidated view. You know, I think it all started from your point about so many business owners, things are happening so fast that you ultimately want to make better decisions based on your financial statements and your analytics. But in the moment, right now, I've got to make a decision on, am I going to pull the trigger on this opportunity? They're going to go to their bank account. They're going to look at that bank balance and they got to be able to have confidence that they know that that bank balance is accurate, right? And they can look at it and say real time, what are the bills that I actually owe, right? What is the cash balance and not having to worry about deducting X number of checks or invoices, whatever that they've paid out. I think that's so true. So I'm curious, at the end of the last year, we did our top business books of 2020. And one of my favorite books was recommended to me from a friend by Rand Fishkin, Lost and Founder. Have you read that book? I have not. I've seen Rand around the ecosystem. He's quite a smart guy. He is, right. So he was founder of Moz, SEO company. He had an offer to sell to HubSpot and he passed it up. I think HubSpot gave him, if I'm not mistaken, an offer of 25 million. He wanted 40. In the end, he got booted out of Moz and now his small shares of the company is worth not very much. Now I think he's done okay with his book, but it's a painfully, in fact, I think that's actually the subtitle of this book. It's a painfully honest look at the startup world. And specifically, he talks about, I'm getting to a question here. He talks about the pros and the cons of taking on money from investors. And you kind of alluded to this. And this is my last question before we get into rapid fire. People have different opinions of that. And somebody else I know absolutely will not take on outside investment. They are going to grow. They're going to bootstrap it and can grow organically. And so for people who, a lot of insurance agents are never going to experience that, but there are listeners out there that may consider it. And it may not be 20 million. It may be 20,000, right? It may be a hundred thousand. What's your biggest piece of advice to a business owner who is wanting to grow, but may need to take on that outside capital to do so? Be clear about what your own values are, number one. So I think it's amazing when people like bootstrap businesses, like I have a huge amount of respect for people who do that. In all honesty, I think it's a great way to self-actualize and do it on your own terms. Two, when you know those values, you know exactly where you're trying to drive towards. And when you have a deep understanding of yourself and say, hey, I'm happy with an insurance business that does $5 million a year, and that's what I'm driving towards. And that can be like an amazing outcome for yeah. you, for your family. You might be actually better off than a lot of like venture-backed outcomes, right? And you have this like annuity that's like paying you. It's quite a, an amazing thing. And I think when you understand what those values are, it becomes really easy that if you do decide to take on external capital, you understand what are those terms which make sense for you and your business. Because for us, we were very um, intentional about who are the types of people we want to attract as investors. Like my approach when I'm fundraising is to effectively be a slightly amped up version of myself. So I take the strong parts of my personality and I dial them up slightly just to make sure that I'm attracting the type of people that I know will fit with my values. Because if I scare away an investor based on that, that's okay. 
because sure. that is who I am. And I want them to be excited and comfortable to work with me. And I know that if they are pushed away from that, they're not the right people for us. And so when we start with kind of the values and the people, it becomes real easy to then say, okay, great, we're perhaps we're aligned there, but like, are they going to be able to help our business accelerate? Are they going to be partners to us that are going to help us achieve an outcome we wouldn't have been able to achieve on our own, right? Mm -hmm. And then you start to work through. And so I'm not a superstitious person. I don't necessarily believe in like, energy in the universe or whatever but i do like anyways i had to qualify that because i do believe that that intention we set at the beginning of like wanting to be able to choose our partners has enabled us to bring on world-class people so everything from our pre-seed to our seed to our series a we've been able to work with partners that we really are aligned with and who are excellent people you know the board member we just brought on in our last round is carrie goman who used to run capital one like small business bank and also ran zero north america Right. So kind of a perfect kind of board member for us. And I think that's a good example of like finding someone who's like values aligned as well as like functionally helpful. Mm, I'm glad I asked you that question. All right. So we're going to go into Ina and rapid fire questions. But for someone that's listened to this podcast at this point, they are like, okay, I'm trade. I actually want to take a look at this because I've shared a little bit about my experience and just honestly cannot recommend the experience with Relay enough. I get it. I got all the relationships with local bankers in my hometown. So I understand where people may have that relationship aspect of it. But let me tell you, you want to be able to go and move business faster and you want to have a better banking experience. Relay is absolutely the best in the world. But how can people find they want to connect with uh, somebody on your team? They want to look in uh, being able to start. Where would you like to point them to? Absolutely. So you can go to our website, RelayFI.com. You can sign up online inside of 10 minutes, no paperwork, no branch, no people, all really easy. We have a customer support line. You can call us anytime, like Monday to Friday, and then email support over the weekends. We're super responsive. And if you want to reach out to me, like do it. My email address is yoseph at relayfi.com and love to hear from you. Awesome. We'll put that in the show notes. And he is right. You can set up an account so fast that he is not kidding whenever he says that. And not just that. I mean, it's one thing to open the accounts, but this is the experience that I've had and to make things so easy and to give permissions to different parts of my team, whether it's obviously Club Capital, if it's somebody on my team that I want to be able to pay bills, et cetera. And you want those different levels of permissions. It is so easy to do so. So yeah, I highly recommend the experience. Okay, here we go. You ready for the world famous E9 rapid fire? Let's do it. All right, I see some books on your bookshelf. So what is the last book that you read? Oh, The 15 Commitments of Conscious Leadership. Yeah. Okay, I haven't heard about this one. Was it good? It was good. It was like, you know, be a good leader, be thoughtful. Uh, <laughs> uh, if we were doing a net promoter score, you would not give it a nine or a 10, correct? Yeah. I thought it was good. It wasn't necessarily mind-blowing. I think some of those books are always good for like just reiterating some of the stuff you perhaps already know. All right, number two, what is the book that you would recommend the most to other small business owners? I'm going to go for it. And it's not just small business owners. I'd recommend this book to everyone. And I have a list of books, which I, and I'm defeating the purpose of this rapid fire. So apologies, but I have a list of books that I consider like terrible titles, but great books. And this book is in that category. Uh, It's Tony Robbins' book, Awaken the Giant Within. Terrible title, totally cheesy, and definitely a book from like the 90s. So there's some stuff in there where you're like, oh, this is dumb and old school. 
but so many valuable tidbits around kind of like, how do you manage your beliefs? How do you manage your psychology? How do you kind of level up as a human being? And I think that is kind of the challenge for every small business owner. So I definitely recommend it. Awesome. All right. If there was a movie made about your life, who would you want to play you in that movie and why? Oh my God, Brad, I plead the fifth. I don't want a movie made on my life. Like, let me go off into the silent night. Yeah, I, I, I don't want that. So I, I, Fair enough. Yeah. All right. What's your favorite tech tool or app that you used every day that most people may not have heard about? Dude, these are hard rapid fire questions. I'm going to tell you. Okay, so I use this little ring here to monitor my sleep. Use it every day. Really great. It mostly just tells me that I'm bad at sleeping, but sometimes it tells me I'm good at sleeping. And for that, I highly recommend it. Um, I think it's called an aura ring. Yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah, highly recommend okay. it. Who would you love to sit next to on a 10-hour flight, dead or alive? Yeah, I think for me, it would be like Barack Obama. I think he's just one of the most enigmatic characters of the last 100 years. And given everything that's changing in the world and the challenges that we face, I think he would be, and especially after his presidency, I think he would probably be one of the most interesting people to talk to. All right, fill in the blank. Three years ago, roughly, when you started Relay, I had no idea this would be so hard. I built software businesses primarily, and when something goes wrong, people get upset, and you kind of deal with it, whatever. The biggest challenge that we had to get used to was at the beginning of like, when something goes wrong with someone's money, a payment doesn't come out, for instance. Let's say, this was like a couple of years ago, right? It is a different level of pain that the customer experiences. And so since learning that lesson like a few years ago, we do everything we can to maintain that trust and that confidence with our customers. And that was the most challenging part initially of like understanding the level to which people are really relying on you. And that's something we deliver against every day. What did you learn about yourself the most during the pandemic? So I would definitely classify myself as an introvert. I think the pandemic pushed that introversion to its limits. So I think I've realized how much I really appreciate actually just going and seeing people and being around people. And yeah, I think that's been a really great change. When you're not working, what do you love to do in your free time? And most you can't say family, people love to spend yeah. time with your family, I get that. So what's a hobby or something you enjoy doing? So here, I'll pick one that I haven't been able to do in a while because I'm really, I can't wait till this is possible. But I, I love to go kiteboarding. So yeah, that's like really fun. I can't wait to get down to the Dominican for a couple of weeks and just hit the sand and hit the beach and, and kite. Last question, it is the Club Capital Leadership Podcast. After all, what is the best piece of leadership advice you've ever received? The phrase that comes to mind first is like, understand and then be understood. So starting with, hey, what's the other person's perspective? What are the challenges they're facing? Why are they coming at this problem in a certain way? And then kind of like once you have that perspective, it, one, it helps you inform what you've kind of understood about the situation. And then perhaps the feedback is the same, but now you can tailor it to what the experience is being for them and work it through with the challenges that they're seeing. And then oftentimes they're seeing things differently than you are. And I think that is a motto, I think is a, a strong one. Yusuf, it's been great having you come on the podcast. Loved having you on. Appreciate all that you do for small business owners. I've learned a lot during this podcast. Hope to have you back on in the future. Cool. Thanks so much for having me. This has been fun. I really enjoyed that conversation with Yusuf. I think that I could speak with him for a long time just about 
the challenges of being a CEO in a fast growth organization and how he's been able to leverage his strengths and weaknesses and building a team around him. But I think it's so important, whether you're in the financial technology space or an insurance agency or any small business, at the end of the day, investing in your people and investing in your leaders is so important. You know, there was a few things that really stood out. Obviously, we talked about some of the specifics and the pain points that Relay solves. And I shared a little bit about my experience with the company and just quite frankly, how easy it is. And it truly is. I really do recommend you go in, open up an account, get started, and then you'll see just what the experience is like. It's going to be totally different than what you've experienced working with someone at a local branch. I think that whenever he talked about, it's very difficult to maintain the culture and you have to be very intentional about maintaining the culture that you want with the people that you want as you are growing and scaling. I mean, I think I may have the numbers wrong here, but going from six people to now over 30, going to be over 50 by year end and then over a hundred. I mean, that brings inherent amount of challenges. But then he went on and said, hey, we're going to do surveys with our team about what it is that they want coming post pandemic. They're based out of Toronto. And so as we're recording this mid-July of 2021, Canada is just now beginning to open up a little bit more, in fact, over the next week or so. And so what are people looking for? Do they want to come into the office? And it seems like most people are having a hybrid. And I think for many of you are sensing that even within your teams as well, as people like to be able to have flexibility in their schedule to work from home. And technology allows us to be able to do that now. And so I think he was so smart to be able to go out and test the waters with his team instead of making assumptions about what he thinks is right. Did talk about at the very end about the pros and cons of bootstrapping versus taking on outside capital. I mentioned it on the podcast, but a great book around this topic is Lost and Founder by Rand Fishkin. So highly recommend that book. It was one of my top five books of 2020. I think in the end, one of my biggest takeaways is if you're having a problem in your business and something is slowing you down to ultimately do what it is that you need to do to grow your business, challenge that assumption instead of it just being, well, that's just the way it is. Challenge the assumption. See if you can find some other way to do it easier. And and I just recently heard this question posed, but when you're doing some thinking time to ask yourself, if this were easy, what would it look like? Anything else in your business, challenge that. Is that the way it has to be? And if it were going to be easy, what would it look like? And maybe that's a what you need to find. Maybe it's a how, but oftentimes, it may be a who, a concept that's obviously been very popularized recently by Dan Sullivan and Strategic Coach, but who, not how, and who can help you to be able to solve that problem. As always, thank you for being a loyal listener to the podcast. Hey, would you do, before you hop off here, would you go and leave us a review on Apple iTunes? That really helps us to be able to continue to get the podcast in front of many other people so we can help them to grow their business, grow their leadership, and grow and develop their team. Speaking of solving problems for other small businesses, that's exactly what Direct Clicks has been able to do. They have solved the problem of online marketing, whether that's going to be through pay-per-click ads or SEO. And there's always kind of been this veil of uncertainty and lack of transparency that's out there. And that is one of the biggest problems that Direct Click solves. You're going to be able to know exactly where your money is going so that you can actually have a much better experience. You can know exactly what they're doing. You can get consistent monthly reports 
so you can know how you're ranking for the keywords that are reported to you if that's SEO. And they have been doing hours and thousands of hours, A-B split testing different Google ad campaigns so they know what works. So reach out to the team at Direct Clicks. It's a no obligation call. Just tell them who you're working with now or if you've never worked with someone in the future, reach out to the team at Direct Clicks. Go to directclicksinc.com. And as always, we've got to thank our partners at Club Capital. What a great segue with my introduction initially to Relay and Yusuf and the team came from Micah Cannon, CEO, who many of you know of Club Capital and said, Bradley, your fees continue to break here. And for us to be able to do our job and get you the analytics that we need, then we need to be able to fix this. And so that's how I initially got started with Relay. But what does that do now that you've got a better banking experience, feeds that don't break. You're able to take what, as Yusuf mentioned about your back office, you want it to be easy so you can make better decisions in your business. Well, that's where Club Capital comes in. They're able to give you peer-to-peer benchmarking so you can see what some of the top performing peers within your industry, within your company are doing so you can make better decisions to be able to grow your business. Reach out to the team if you have not done a free demo just to see what the reports look like and exactly what the experience would be and how bookkeeping and analytics and tax advisory can be different. Just the same way that Relay has changed the game with banking, Club Capital has done the exact same thing with your financial reporting, your analysis, your bookkeeping, and really taking your back office and making it much less of an afterthought and making it the strategic generator to help you grow your business. Go to club.capitalbook your no obligation demo today. Until next episode, lead well.